lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, the second time this week on the Outsports Podcast Network, because it is our 50th episode week, and we are doing it right Yesterday, I had the pleasure of having Colette Arend on from uh, from Fanbite slash Fanfight to talk about uh, All Elite Wrestling's latest uh, pay-per-view event uh, from this weekend, All Out. Uh, thank you to everyone that listened to that. Um, it was a, a marathon, much like the other show in some ways, but um, all worthy and, and valid discussion, and I really enjoyed doing that show. Um, and I am back today. 24 hours later to discuss another event from the same day this past Saturday uh, from Uncanny Attractions and MV Young, MV Young's Polycult Party 2. Of course, listeners of the show know MV Young and Uncanny are no stranger to us here at LGBT in the Ring, always putting on awesome stuff. Um, they have been doing some really fun things um, amid the... Uh, the stress and, and situations of the pandemic um, and the Polycult Party events have been uh, fun and Polycult Party 2 uh, did not uh, disappoint in that realm and I am so happy to have a returning guest this week to uh, or this week I guess the second time this week a returning guest on the show today to talk about it um, and not just because uh, she watched it, but because she was there live in person for the event, uh, M. Fear from the Grit and Glitter podcast is coming back on the show um, to talk all about the Polycult Party 2 from a live perspective. Um, we get that on-the-ground uh, perspective, and I am all all here for it. Uh, it. It was a fun conversation, always fun to chat with them. Um, and honestly, this show knocked it out of the park all the way around, and we'll get to that here in a second. But it's apropos that we talk about MV Young and Uncanny Attractions today because I am recording this um, right after finishing up Uncanny's uh, most, recent, most recent show, uh, The Wrestlers Take Manhattan. Of course, that debuted live um, Wednesday night on IWTV, and uh, what can I say? Um, obviously, the response has been massive online for the show, uh, and, and this was I've there have been clips out there that they've been like teasing stuff that's been going on uh, around the show for a little while now, and to see the f- end product, um, everything from. <laughs> The Bundertaker uh, showing up on the roof um, while Eddie and Eddie McQueen and Erica Lee try and uh, take out Billy Dixon in a bar fight. Cosmos flying, spears going everywhere, and the extreme abuse of Billy Dixon's uh, bussy. Uh, <laughs> just ridiculous. And then you have uh, Logan Black. Logan Black and, and Dante Drago just stealing spotlight in that in that noir um a hit to remember segment just outstanding stuff there logan black so happy to see him pop up with uncanny and i can't wait to see what else comes down the line for them also shout out to milk chocolate milk chocolate um unexpected to see them there but very very welcome addition um and of course mb young 
and Big Game Leroy and the video game battle to end all video game battles. Uh, if you know me, you know I like my video games, and this was uh, basically what was perfect for what you would imagine a um, a realistic street fight cross Street Fighter 2 uh, would look like, complete with uh, the infamous orange cone spot. <laughs> it's just, and then of course the commercial Shugdi. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if if any words that I put out there can do it justice. Just go, go watch Shugdi's <laughs> commercial in this. Um, just outstanding stuff. Of course, also Dan Housen, uh, Sheffy, Nick Iggy. I see you. Sheffy uh, was uh, Chef's kiss, and then of course Nick Stapp, um, stabbing me in my emo heart. Uh, the most emoist of hearts, a dashboard confessional wrestling angle where Trapped gets beat up, and there's a, there's just so much packed in there, and then like that final standoff with Nick Stapp and, and Corinne Mink, uh, y'all, look, uh, I wish I had more time to get into all this, but honestly no matter what I say can do it justice you should just go check it out for yourself it's up on demand on IWTV um, show them some love the first week of streams uh, get do the proceeds from the first week of streams get donated to save our stages um, and uh, trans women of color um, in in New York City so yeah uh, it's, it's worth if one is for a good cause two a supremely entertaining hour um, if I may say so myself and I cannot, I really hope this isn't the last we're going to see. I know Darnell's been out there um, in, after the show ended, basically saying that this is not gonna, the last we're going to see of this cinematic style from Uncanny. And I am here for it the same way that myself and M were here for the Polycult Party too. So from one Uncanny Attraction show that you should definitely check out to another that you should definitely check out. Let's jump into our, my conversation with M. Fear, all about the Polycult Party 2. Alright guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And for our second show of the week, our, the closing out our doubleheader here, um, we are going to be talking about MV Young's Polycult Party 2. And I am lucky enough to have here with me today uh, someone who was there live at the Poly Mansion <laughs> to take in all of the pansexual and all kinds of uh, identity uh, goodness that was there. Uh, M. Fear from Grit and Glitter. How are you doing today, M? I am doing fantastic, especially because I got to go to this delightful show on Saturday in my hometown um, at an undisclosed location. So I won't I won't give the uh, the particulars of where we were, but um, it was yeah, it was something else. It was a breath of fresh air, quite literally, since we were in a backyard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and and I we'll get into the show proper, but I want to talk to you first just about the the experience and the kind of like the atmosphere there, um, especially since like you stated online that this was your first wrestling show in a rather long time. 
Um, so I'm curious, just like, what was your approach whenever it came to like knowing that this was coming up and this was going to be your first chance to kind of re-enter the, the live wrestling world? Um, so I was telling you off, um, as I was telling you off of air, um, I gave birth to my child. I think when I last appeared on your podcast, I was pregnant and I gave birth to my child tiger at the end of January. Um, so right at the end of January, um, I, I had my baby and you know, you, when you have a kid, you go through a period of isolation because, you know, your life is about making sure that that kid stays alive and you don't see that many people. And you do see people who come by and they bring you food and they help you out. Um, and they visit for a short time, but like, you don't go anywhere really. Um, so just as he was getting to the age that like two, three month mark where we could finally like start like going out a little bit, that's when COVID hit. And, um, I mean, COVID was around before then, but like that's when it really took hold in the States and that's when everything shut down in my area. I don't know where other people live. I know that that has varied for people, but about middle of March is when the Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania in general shut down. So just as I was about to be able to like go and do things with my baby, even like just basic things like take them to the library or go to like the new mom's coffee group, things like that, um, that just became a non-option. So as a result, I haven't really gone anywhere or done anything in seven months. Woof. Yeah. And that includes wrestling, um, which is funny because the weekend before he was born, before Tiger was born, I was at a wrestling show um, not far from where I live. So uh, yeah. <laughs> so like my, my, it's been like almost, it's been about like seven and a half months since I've gotten to go to live wrestling. So when MV announced this show, um, I talked it over with my partner, who's also very into wrestling, but he also works in healthcare. And so he he's still very cautious about what he does and where he goes. And I feel really um, proud of him for that. But he was very supportive of me going. And it was an excellent opportunity for me and um, my wrestle wife, as I call her, and my, my work wife, Bridget, uh, to go to a show again, because we hadn't been to a show together in well over a year. It had been a really long time since we had gone to wrestling together. And I got her into wrestling, so it's always extra fun to take her um, to shows or like to go to shows with her because just, you know, you have those pals, right? You have those pals that are like, that make things extra fun. And for me, like a wrestling show like this was going to be especially great. Uh, with with her so yeah so um i got really really psyched and very uh very quickly just threw ourselves into like putting together snacks and making sure we had drinks and getting camp chairs and she ordered a cooler offline especially for this like we got real into it we were like really really excited <laughs> no i mean i don't i don't blame you if it, if it had been my first event in seven months like i haven't been to an event since march uh whenever i went to butch versus gore and i am i am itching like i am i miss that live atmosphere environment so i don't blame you at all as for for having that ramp up in excitement um especially with this show um and i i, I have to ask because obviously a lot of the build-up to this show um outside of like you know the the build-up between mv young and, and joshua wells uh for for their match um, really kind of hovered around MV preparing this backyard for mm -hmm. for what he was going to do. And obviously the finished product was 
amazing to see. I'm I'm curious about the atmosphere there and how everything was whenever you were there at the Poly Mansion. Like, what? How did you uh, take all that in? Okay, so I want to give this experience because I think that this is a really special way to go to a wrestling show. So okay. without giving details as far as like where this place is, um, I I took a I took a lift over because um, getting there via my house via public transportation would have been a real, real pain in the butt. So, um, I had my lift driver drop me off on a, like a corner nearby where I was supposed to go. And then I kind of just like, I could see where the wrestlers were hanging out, but I couldn't see, I couldn't figure out where I was supposed to go as an audience member. And then finally, I'm just kind of like wandering around looking like a lost sheep in the middle of this neighborhood that I definitely don't belong in or, you know, I definitely look out of place in. Cause I'm just like, I don't live in that neighborhood. And, um, this guy, who is, I guess, affiliated with the the show, just pops up out of nowhere, basically, and is like, "Oh, are you here for? Are you here for the show?" And I was like, "Uh huh." And he's like, "Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, we're just gonna go down." And then, like, he kind of just like loosely like led us down the street, and then like pointed down like this like kind of alley path hillside <laughs> that like so he was just like, "Yeah, just go down there." And then when you see the gate, you'll see the you know, everything, and then you just turn in there, and um. And that's what I did. And it was like crossing over into Narnia because like, <laughs> or like it had a very like secret garden aspect to it. Cause like you're just walking down this path and like, you know, you're about to come across it, but you're like, you're just waiting for when the like trees give way or like the other backyards give way to what you're about to see. And when I saw it, it was just, it was just so charmingly backyard. Like there's the ring and people are kind of set up all the way, you know, all the way around it. And there wasn't a ton of space for audience members which was nice because MV did a really good job of limiting ticket sales. So like there was a fair amount of distance between people, even though there wasn't a ton of space. Um, there was like a little like enjoy wrestling, which is a like a local upstart wrestling promotion in Pittsburgh. They sponsored like a bar in the corner. The like commentary was on the back porch of the house overlooking <laughs> the backyard. Like they were stationed up on like this like little back like porch area. Um, I'm from Pittsburgh. So I would say that this is a very Pittsburgh neighborhood backyard without giving too much away about where it was. Um, and it made me really happy. And there were certain aspects of it that was like, the minute you kind of took in the surroundings, you knew that certain elements of the backyard were gonna come into play and they did. So like there was a wall of tires, inevitably someone ended up in those tires. <laughs> there was a fire pit that was like, oh my God, the jankiest like, like the worst like the oh my god filled with like jagged like rocks and like and branches and stuff and me and Bridget were just obsessed with this fire pit because we're like oh no oh no someone's going in that fire pit like <laughs> something's gonna happen in that fire pit it wasn't active it was just like a, it was just a gravel pit filled with like death objects and it was right in the middle of the path from where the wrestlers were coming um through this gate um to the where they would head to the ring. So it was just like, it was so front and center. It was Chekhov's fire pit because it was just inevitably something was going to happen there. Um, mm -hmm. But MV and everyone who helped um, him set up the backyard, they just did such a nice job making it feel special and making it feel um, like this cohesive design, even though it was still very charmingly DIY and very charmingly backyard. Like it wasn't, um, polished but you could you can you could see the aesthetic right like there was an obvious aesthetic to it that came through even in the little touches that they did I mean there was lots of Christmas lights hung up to add a little like extra light 
especially since there was a lot of wood cover, which was nice because it was fairly warm that day. Um, you couldn't have asked for better weather either. Like they just lucked out. We got the most beautiful, mild, early September Saturday to have this show. So it was like the perfect setting, the perfect weather, perfect amount of people, the perfect kind of people too. Like I hate to say it like that, but if you're a person who avoids going to a lot of your local wrestling shows because you don't gel with a lot of like old school wrestling fans or local wrestling people, this is maybe the type of show that you would have longed for because everybody was real cool and kind. And there were like, there was a baby that we were obsessed with. Um, not a baby, he was like a toddler, but like we were absolutely obsessed with him because he was so chill and he had such a fun time. And me and Bridget, uh, Bridget works with children and I have a child. So we're just like, we were just glued onto this toddler. Um, but it was the type of show where like a family could bring their toddler and you didn't really question that logic, even though there were a bunch of people like drinking beers and um, there was a fire pit that inevitably was going to like, and somebody's life it still was very wholesome if that makes sense yeah i, I can see <laughs> it come through i could definitely see it come through like i i this reminded me of um the first polycole uh party that was held in brooklyn about a month or so back in that diy aesthetic that very much like we want to put on a show but this one felt a lot more polished and you could tell that like you could you could really tell the work that MV and and his crew really put into preparing <laughs> that setting. Um, for the Chekhov's uh, fire pit for me was the Jeep. As soon as I saw <laughs> that Jeep pop up uh, on on Twitter, I'm like, okay, this is this is not going to leave this backyard, and someone is going to either jump off of this or get slammed into the window, or like somehow this thing's getting involved, and ultimately it did. As mm -hmm. these things do with wrestling, um, so yeah, like I, I watching at home, like I really liked the aesthetic as well. The colors just popped. Mm -hmm. The lighting was awesome. The it seemed like the crowd was like really chill, but still into everything. Mm -hmm. um, it just it felt like like a high end backyard show, but yes. with way better workers. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I was kind of talking about this. Well, I was talking about this on the latest episode of Grit and Glitter because we were because. Um, the latest episode of Great Glitter, we are celebrating our first year. And um, oh, so we, thank you. And we threw kind of like a podcast party. And um, at one point, I included a recording that Bridget and I made while we were at the Polycult party. Um, so if you want the live experience on record as we're watching the um, championship, the, the title match, please listen to Great Glitter's latest episode because. It's in there. Um, we are very tipsy and having the time of our life. Um, <laughs> but I was going somewhere with this. Oh, so I was talking about how I felt like this represented both like the past of the like legacy of backyard wrestling while also really standing in for what um, backyard wrestling can be in this time and, and this age, especially when you give over wrestling in some small part to people who have traditionally been marginalized or ignored in that realm. And to me, it reminded me just as much of, of, of the DIY theater productions that I've put on and the like concerts that like have come together in, with shoestring budgets in venues that barely could hold anybody. It reminded me a lot of like just do-it-yourself culture overall, right? Not just wrestling, not just independent wrestling, but the culture of people just bending together and putting on an entity, some kind of creative enterprise with very little to their names and very little to like, you know, capital, but all the investment of the people that they're working with and the people that they're doing it for. 
Yeah, a lot of personal investment. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it really it came through throughout the entire show, honestly. Like the just knowing that all of this came from like from Envy, his crew and the people there, like really even like the crowd just like putting themselves into into a, an atmosphere like this and engaging with everything in the way that they did like it it came through in in colors um through the through the twitch broadcast there um and i don't I like i'm curious to to get your take on um sort of the build up for some of these matches heading into it um because i probably the most high profile one that had the most online build was mv and joshua wells which ended up becoming a three-way um interestingly enough after uh, jody uh qualified to get added to that match um okay i have to ask because this seems to be a sometimes a divisive question online mm-hmm. what is your opinion of the poly cult as a concept um, are you? Do you fall on the the Joshua Wells? I will never join the Polycult <laughs> DJ accident report. Like calling out like the Polycult as being problematic, but here for it in some way, mm-hmm. or like the nine thousand people that have pledged their allegiance at this point <laughs> to I, Young. I feel like I have a very dissatisfying answer. I think that one of the things that impresses me so much about MV Young. It's not just the fact that he has like off the charts charisma in person. I had not seen him in person, even though he's from Pittsburgh and he has wrestled around here. I have not seen him wrestle in person. So I've seen um, him on a couple of other shows, like just on streams, but I haven't seen him in person. And it's just like, it's ridiculous how much charisma he exudes. It's, it's incredible. Um, he has that like Effie quality too. That's just like the minute they're there, you don't want to look away. Um, but with the polycult and just like the whole like culture that MV has kind of set up around his wrestling persona is very positive and very um, like inclusive. And MV um, is always starting conversations with his fans online in ways that like make them feel special and appreciated and like it, like it invested in as much as they are invested in him. And um, so it, this is not what I, I don't know exactly if this is the answer you're looking for, but like if that inclusivity and that kindness and that like that specialness that people are feeling from being from calling themselves a member of the polycult, if that's what they're getting from them, that's fantastic. Because how often do you get that in wrestling? You really don't. Even when you are an avid fan and you're a fan of um, even like faces, they don't necessarily always know how to deal with their fans in a way that makes the fans feel included in something more than just being a fan of wrestling. And V's done a really great job of like building a brand that is about something a little bit bigger than that. Um, and it's just, it's a gimmick, right? But it's a really cool gimmick. It's a very contemporary modern gimmick and it might be problematic or it might be one of those things that's like, it's kind of just this like goofy throwaway that people take more seriously than it should be. But I think it's neat. I think it's a neat way to make your fans feel included in something that's not branded as a fan club, but something that's branded as like, you know, you are maybe a like worshiper of me, but honestly what it is more is just worshiping the idea of like, of fandom and um, like active inclusion. And I think that's, I think that's neat. I don't know. But then again, (laughs) Maybe I would join a cult at some point. So who knows? 
No, I, I, I completely agree with, with all the points that you made there. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it really has spoken to this, this new idea of inclusion being adapted more widespread within the pro wrestling industry. Um, and yes, the poly cult as an idea does have a, a decent amount of goof to it, but um, it's a it's a fun goof to engage with, yeah. and it honest and it makes it makes for a good wrestling storyline when you have someone who doesn't want to join the poly cult as much as Joshua Wells did not mm-hmm. want to join the poly cult heading into this matchup. So and, and Joshua Wells like playing kind of the like because Joshua Wells is such a like a it's typically such a baby face, right? I mean he mm-hmm. the now because like it's just such a like baby face look to them, but like. Um, they're being so avidly against joining the poly cult and being like, and obviously everyone in the audience, like that's going to be a heel move to us because we're there, right? We're at the poly cult party. So why would we be there if we were anti-poly cult? Um, it's a really nice, like easy story to tell, right? Like a very simple, very effective story. No, definitely, definitely. And speaking of story, we should get into some of the matches on this card because there were a litany of them. There were a ton, um, yeah. They were all yeah. really nicely paced, though. I feel like nothing overstated its welcome. I do admit, um, as I said off air, like I had to leave uh, to get back to my family um, before the main event, um, Billy Dixon versus Jarrett Evans, was was over. So I unfortunately missed most of that match in person. Um, but otherwise, everything else was pretty quick and um, a lot of like really fun moments in these matches. Um, and it started off with a scramble, which I just always think is a great way to kick things off. <laughs> no, definitely, and I was very happy with the scramble because, like, it I, it let me see some some people that I hadn't seen in a little while, you know, mm-hmm. and see some different sides of people. Like last time I saw Eel O'Neal was at Butch versus Gore when he was, you know, wrestling alongside Jordan Blade in their regular tag team, uh, Kings of the District, and I hadn't seen this uh, African American horror story version of Eel O'Neal. Um, and it was a great thing to see. Also, I'm very happy that we had some some Pacific Northwest representation with Jaden coming out mm-hmm. from Portland to be on that show. How, um, how, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, how cute is Jaden? Jaden's adorable. adorable. <laughs> Love Jaden. I, I apologize to any wrestlers who may li- listen to this or like listen to the part and I call you adorable. I mean it in like the best possible way. I just, because I have a baby right now, everything is like, oh, it's so cute. Or, oh, so adorable. Oh, so precious. So like, don't, you're also fabulously talented and very fierce and very uh, talented, uh, very uh, violent, um, but, <laughs> but also adorable. Jaden, you're just adorable. Yes, yes, and I'm I'm very happy to see him get some shots outside of the the region here, yes. um, especially with with somebody who is on the rise like MV and Uncanny Attractions are in the not just like Pennsylvania but like the, the Northeast really overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the scramble match was great. A uh, lot of fun moments. I think Jody um, fighting the air for most mm-hmm. of the match was a pretty good uh, <laughs> pretty good way to start things off. Um, and then who was it? Uh, Pinky, who I think is quickly becoming one of my partner's favorite wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Pinky just did whatever Pinky normally does. Um, he, his own unique <laughs> sense of, of entering style. Um, but no, it just gave a little bit of, of everything for people to kind of get into the show and gave us our third member of that triple threat later on with Jody mm-hmm. somehow. Uh, beating Jaden there. Um, I had not, I've heard of Jody. I had not seen him in ring before. 
So um, I know I know Jody because um, Jody De- does a lot of work with Party Hard Wrestling out in the the like West of Arizona. I can't remember, um, but uh, Party Hard Wrestling is one of the big promotions that my friend Val. Um, that she uh, that she follows and Val is a she runs a company called Daryl Apparel where she makes apparel for Daryl the the cat um, that uh, uh, sidekick of Hiromu Takashi. A lot of us have Daryls. She makes apparel for Daryls. It's delightful. Go to Daryl Apparel um, online. It's fantastic. But she is a fabulous seamstress and she has segued that into gear making. And so Jody's gear was made by Val. So. I was really excited to see Jody in person and get to tell Val like the very next day when we were recording for the podcast um, how good the gear looked. And apparently, I don't know if this is, oh, maybe I shouldn't release this. Never mind. I won't say it because it might be secret. But let's <laughs> okay. just say that her work with Jody has opened doors to uh, gear making opportunities for other wrestlers. And I'm very excited for, for her ah. because I think his gear looks great. And I think that uh, the gear that she will make for other people is going to look great as well. <laughs> No, definitely. Like I, congrats to Val. Um, <laughs> hope we'll see that. Hopefully, more of that down the line. There, um, another person who stood out. I'm just gonna like go through at least a couple people that stood out to because I, I watched this with my partner uh, in mm-hmm. chunks who is still, you know, somewhat into wrestling, not like wholeheartedly into it, but enjoys it. Enjoys mm-hmm. watching it with me at least. Um, they got a kick out of David Lawless. Um, <laughs> oh God, I'm so glad. Okay, so had you ever? One of the cool things about being at this show and seeing a blend of talent from all over the place, but also a lot of Pittsburgh-based talent, is that I got to see David Lawless, and I'm really familiar with David Lawless because I've seen him in a bunch of local indies, including Rise, my favorite local indie. He also was the KW or KSWA champion for a while. Um, he pops up a lot. Um, I adore him. I think he is fantastic. The first time we saw David Lawless was at a um, behind a grocery store in Beachview at a Lucha Libre festival where he came out in his gimmick and demanded to see immigration papers from all the people oh. in the audience because there was a lot there's a lot of like Mexican a lot of Mexicans in the audience and they just ate it up and they booed him and there was this wall of like drunk older Mexican gentlemen who were just like cursing him out and it was just the best and ever since then every time I see David Lawless it's great he he did this big at Rise where like he had like a training school and he would train people in the art of like his version of Kung Fu which was just a lot of crotch shots um (laughs) just just the biggest goon. And I was so excited to see him in this match. The only thing I'll say about this match, though, that was a little weird for me was I wasn't really sure who I was supposed to root for. Like, it didn't have a, a clear... Because I don't know what Nick Staff's gimmick is now. Um, he was the CPA, and he was, like, a fighting accountant. And it was kind of funny. Um, and usually played for, like... not. I don't think I ever saw it for, like, outright heel heat. It was usually for like, like goofy baby face energy, but I don't really know what his gimmick is now. His gimmick now, I kind of summarized to Bridget as like, I guess he's just some asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I can see it. I mean, mean, he's not a bad wrestler. Like he's a, he's a good wrestler. Um, And it was a fun match to watch, but it was a little confusing to me because I was like, I wasn't entirely sure what I should be rooting for. And then David Lawless used a stapler 
And I was yeah. like, okay, well, I guess we're, we're rooting against Lala's hair. And then he threw the stapler and it almost hit that toddler. Oh, and no. Me, and then me and Bridget just like lost our shit on him in the crowd. Um, so, yeah, that was our experience with that match. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think the reason why Lala's like caught my partner's eye is because, like, uh, not to give away too much about, about KC, but uh, we met whenever they were going to law school. So it's like, oh, wrestling lawyer. And then whenever I told them that Lawless is a shoot lawyer mm -hmm. as well, they're like, oh, okay, this is an intriguing idea for, <laughs> for a character. So it just kind of like it, it spoke on different levels, I think, uh, to them. So it was it was a fun little moment there, especially considering that he, he came out with a gavel, which, uh, you know, is pertinent for every lawyer to have. That's his, that's his, that's his. He's the gavel, David Lawless. Um, yes. He has uh, business cards that he'll throw out in the crowd. He didn't have them um, that night, but he will throw out business cards. Um, yeah, he's just fantastic. And I don't know what a blow is like gimmick or whatever, but apparently I've been told he's a very a non, as a non-wrestler, as just a human being, but he's a very nice guy. So it's easy to, <laughs> to uh, both of these guys have good reputations as like as good guys. So it's always good to know that, but yeah, no, I'm so glad that your partner like David Lawless. Oh, I love him. <laughs> I was actually like, I was like, because I mean, I see him a bunch cause he's a local guy. Um, but I hadn't seen him in so long because I haven't been wrestling so long that he was like the one person I mentioned to my partner before going to the car. I was like, I'm going to get to go see uh, David Lawless is on the card. <laughs> And speaking of, of local talent, actually, there was a good amount of oh, yeah. like local Pittsburgh talent here. Some talent that I hadn't even seen. Like I know, um, of course, I, I've seen Ziggy Haim a few times. Mm -hmm. um, Laws I've caught here and there. Andrew Palace um, <gasps> is someone that I had not seen before. I've heard the name, but I'd never seen him wrestle. And oh. my God, what a treat. My goodness, Andrew Palace is the best. I think he's one of our, I, I think, he, honestly, I think he's one of our best local wrestlers. And he has had a, like, a, a good running career around here. Um, he works a lot for IWC, which is, like, the major indie in this region. Um, and he, I just think he's great. He's a ball of energy. He can very, I, I was enjoying this match a lot because I got to see him work a more heel angle because he's usually, a, like, a face. He's almost always a baby face. It's very rare to see him see him play heel. So in this match, it was great because he really went hard on Ziggy. And they've worked – I don't know how much they've actually wrestled each other. They kind of work tangentially or parallel. So this was like a fun treat because it was like a local match that I – a matchup that I've never seen. Hmm. No, it was it was awesome to watch. I love I love watching Ziggy. Um, I think her match with Lee Moriarty at the last Polycult party was one of the highlights of that show. Um, and that was my that was my first time really getting to like see her and maybe want to go back and watch some of her other stuff. So like that that match was awesome. I look forward to watching more uh, Andrew Palace um, going forward. Another person local to the scene there that um, was intriguing to me on multiple levels was our ring announcer for the night. Mr. Jim Sterling, um, I know he's been doing a good amount of stuff with Rise since moving up there. And I, I say multiple levels because like another sector that I work in in the journalism field is in games journalism. And Jim Sterling, of course, well known on YouTube mm -hmm. for um, for the, the Jimquisition. Um, 
so it's one of those things where it just kind of like bridged both gaps for me to see him there um, and really bring his his trademark sense of humor to the entire night. I, d- I don't know if you had any what, if you had any thoughts on on Jim on the show. Kind of just the same thing. Like I I really enjoyed um, seeing Jim Sterling in that context. Um, and like because I I've seen him. He pops makes up. He, he just popped up a rise and. Um, but it was just like the perfect, the perfect flavor to add for an announcer. Like it was, you know, who are you going to get to fill that role? Is it going to just be someone that's going to be somewhat generic or someone just to like, you know, do the job and et cetera. But like, I feel like MV really up the ante by choosing someone with um, such specific idiosyncratic um, flair, like, like Sterling. So I loved it. I was so thrilled to see him in that role. Um, another match that really stood out for me personally was the uh, the six man that we had uh, mm-hmm. with Effie teaming with the Runway uh, against the Black the Reunited Black Hand Society. Um, yes. So the Black Hand Society is is a group that I had not had the chance to see whenever they were first originally together. I like heard about them as I got more and more into like regional indies here and there. Um, but it was it was fun to see them kind of reunite and put them in a match with three uh three wrestlers that i think are super charismatic i mean obviously effie what can you say about effie that hasn't been said about effie at this point right like right. he's just he's a phenomenon um but the chance to see tyler klein and calvin couture get in the ring with effie against like the just juxtaposition of like the two teams was like so distant and i loved the dynamic that they that they brought to this match because of it I- I mean, I love a good, like, glam versus rockers match, right? Like, um, because that's kind of the aesthetic, like, mix here. Like, the story in the ring, you could tell just by looking at these teams, like, there's a story there. Um, it was cool to see Black Hand Society because the little bit I know is because of the guys who are, like, local and still working, um, but also someone who is involved with that stable, uh, Marcus Mann, who is, like, now the creative booker for Rise. So um, it was cool to get to see, like, I don't know, Marcus was on commentary, and it was cool to see these guys kind of reunite for the show. Um, Jack Pollock was out of action for a while. He was IWC's champion um, when I first got into wrestling, and had like just become the champion when I first got into wrestling and um after like a year he went out on injury he had some kind of surgery and it took a really long time for him to come back mm-hmm. I think he had just started making his comeback in the fall or maybe like last summer even um so hopefully so I'm glad he's getting like I'm, I'm glad he's popping up places because it would suck to make a full recovery and slowly inch your way back into like getting, you know, full steam and then having COVID shut down everything, just like stopping you in your tracks. So yeah, it was cool to see that. And also he handed me a, a like a canned mini margarita on his way out. So <laughs> thanks, Jack. Yes. I did love Marcus Mann on commentary, just constantly referring to the mangarita um, that, that apparently filled the cooler that they brought with them. Um, so yes, it was, it was, it was, it was a fun reunion to see. And, and, Marcus man on commentary, I think was like really put her over the top and how special of a moment it was uh, for, for the scene there to see them back together again. And um, yeah, I, 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 this match just was a a bar burner for me. I I loved it. Like even like, even down to like the triple, like the ending, the finish with the, with the triple butt bump. 
Um, I'm sure that got over like with the from what I heard, it definitely got over with with everybody in attendance there. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that was the best thing about this con is like everything was getting over. Like it was the best audience, or at least as far as as far as I'm concerned, like I think it's one of the best audiences that a wrestler could ask for because. The crowd is largely people who probably haven't seen live wrestling in a long time. Um, a lot of us are local, so we didn't have to like travel real far for the show. So we're like all at ease. It's Saturday, like early evening. I love that it was at 5 p.m. I had a friend who went, um, who kind of bitched about it being so early. But as a like working mom with a partner who I don't want to tax more than I have to, like it was a great thing to be able to like get home and be home by like eight o'clock. I thought that was fantastic. So, but as a result, it was this great thing because the sun was coming slowly down around us and like the vibes were really good. And as a result, I think anything that people wanted to try in the ring, whether it was a really like cool, funny finish or something really intense, like driving someone into a fire pit or a Jeep, <laughs> um, people were ready for it. People were ready for like, for the action and kind of game for whatever. I think that that was it. Like there was a spirit of like, yeah, we're here. Let's do this. Like, what do you, what do you got? We're, we're ready for you. <laughs> um, <so> <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm curious what, what, what match or matches like stood out to you the most from this card? Mm -hmm. Like, and I've, I've talked about a couple of mine so far, but I'm curious what, what really stood out to you. Um, let's see. I had not seen Leroy Green before and I loved oh. So I actually really enjoyed their match because I thought it was really cute to like, it was a nice, uh, there, there was a nice contrast between their styles and obviously Leroy was on his, uh, his switch and it was just, I don't know. I think the way they played it was really fun. Um, I really liked the match between Molly McCoy and still life with apricots and pears. I thought that was just a really great, intense little match. Um, I always like seeing both of those wrestlers. Um, and also I just think it's great when you like, I don't know. I mean, there's still the debate amongst people who aren't in the know of like, oh, well, like, who are their, where are their non-binary wrestlers? It's like, well, I just saw a show where there were at least two in one match, um, not to mention other matches. So it's like, it was, it's just, it's kind of a nice moment. Plus there was some really great like canvas work and it's always fun to see Molly go extra hard. So that was a, that was a, I enjoyed that match a lot. Yeah, the, I, I'm with you on on Still Life and Molly. Like that one, that one was especially special for me, um, or, and I'm sure for many other people, simply because one, like yes, you had two non-binary competitors um, facing off with one another, um, something you really don't haven't seen that much, um, even with the rise of um, LGBTQ pro wrestling over the past few years, which is it's great to see that that other identities are getting showcased now and also because of like the situation that has bore out of uh chikara and it's closing and you're seeing a lot of the wrestlers that were associated very closely with chikara start to work in other places now and it just seems like they're rediscovering the fun of pro wrestling by having the chance to get back into the ring after everything that's happened the past couple of months yeah. around the speaking out movement. So it was really awesome to see Bali and Still Life just put everything else aside and get back to what they love and what they do best and put on a match that was uh, supremely entertaining to me. Yeah, this this weekend was a lot of um, Chikara kids like the the post Jakara era for 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 these wrestlers because um in addition to this show um in the 
on the 2nd of September, um, High Tension Wrestling released Camp Leapfrog on IWTV. And that is, I don't know if you've watched that yet, but it's um, filled with people who have um, worked in and around Shakara, including Molly McCoy and, and still like apricots and pears and um, hermit crab and Cajun crawdad and a bunch of those people. So it was really great to see them and also to see them doing something that was like a little experimental, a little um, like a little backyard again, um, a little cinematic. Um, but ultimately, it's it's nice to see them like continuing. And and you're right, like in that way, it's like they get to rediscover and like recover and um, heal from all the stuff that has happened in the last several months. I feel like that's kind of true of wrestling in general right now. Like I understand there's a lot of people who have concerns that there shouldn't be shows at all right now. And I completely understand where they're coming from on that because it doesn't, it's not safe. Like you can do everything possible, but um, you know, the wrestlers themselves are in close quarters and people are traveling out of town and you're traveling with each other. Like there's no way to do that with any kind of certainty, certainty that you can be safe. The audience members are in mass, but lots of the performers in the back stage area aren't gonna be in mass all the time. So you're putting people at risk when you do these shows. That being said, I, I can understand why even just beyond getting paid and getting attention and working your craft, like I can understand that like this is a community for so many of these wrestlers and to do these shows means to be able to come home in some way. And like who isn't going to take foolish risks in order to feel like they're back at home? I think a lot of us would. No, that's a, it's probably the best way that I've heard that point made. Like I've been, you know, I'm sort of on the fence with this. Like I, there are points where like I, I am rather critical of a number of companies running shows at this point because of the same reasons that you've stated. Um, it's like, you cannot do this without some level of risk and, and, you know, for as much as you try and alleviate that risk, um, there still are it's still going to be present. And you know, but at the same time, I completely understand people wanting to find some like small morsel of normalcy by going to a wrestling show or being able to get back in the ring after a long, long lull. Especially considering you know everything that's happened amid the pandemic. Um, or in the wrestling world. So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't necessarily fault anybody as long as you're taking precautions. Um, but it's just, it's, it's like a double-edged sword in a way, uh, for me. So, at the same time, though, I'm still watching the shows. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're <laughs> we're watching them and we're enjoying them from home, or we're maybe even supporting our wrestlers and going to these shows as safely as we possibly can. I will say that, like there is no perfect solution. Um, people want to to do this work. They want to be out there making this impact. They want to be out there wrestling. They want to be having shows. If they can continue to do them with as much safety in mind as possible, um, I I think that those precautions should be noted and um, be you know as encouraged as possible. Just know that the risks are there and don't like no one can kid themselves that there's any such thing that like there's any such thing as 100% safe. There isn't, especially when you're bringing people in that town. If someone flew on a plane to get to, to Pittsburgh to be on this show, they're putting themselves at risk for like just doing that travel alone, not to mention being around other performers, etc. So like there is no such thing as, as complete safety here. But I don't know. It's a choice that people are making. and they, it's a hard choice. It's an impossible choice to make. Like right now I have talked to so many parents 
who have to make really difficult choices about what to do with their children during the daytimes because they are working people and they have children and their children have to go to daycare, but is daycare safe, et cetera. Our lives are filled with mundane choices. Um, I know that this is not the same thing as like finding childcare for your children, but also this is the livelihood for so many people or at least a big chunk of it. And if not the way that they pay their bills, it's their livelihood in that it's the way that they fill their days and their hearts and their minds. So for them, it's the choice is a crucial choice to make. It is a really hard decision to make. It is a hard option to walk away from. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's the main reason why I don't, it's hard for me to fault a lot of people that are still competing. And, and you know, a number of promotions are doing well. I know there's some, there's been plenty of, photos circulating wrestling twitter of, of shows that aren't do, uh doing their proper uh, service when it comes to handling the pandemic but the majority of them are doing well um and you know we'll hopefully we'll just keep crossing fingers with, with every uh forthcoming event um i want to get back on the fun train though after yeah. <laughs> after some pandemic talk um i'm curious to get your take on the bundertaker <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, nothing quite beats being a little tipsy in a crowd of, of backyard wrestling fans and chanting Bundertaker. <laughs> um, also, some of Bundertaker uh, being against Pancake was just like genius booking. So yes. uh, particularly, particularly clever there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I like silly. I can always go for some silly. I think this card overall had a nice mix of matches that like went harder and more serious and matches that incorporated silly element elements and then matches that were just like out real goofy stuff. Um, I will always be there for it. And I think that um, especially where the, the match fell, if I recall correctly, um, it was right before the title match, wasn't it? Yeah. Like it was, it was in between uh, Faraday and holiday and mm -hmm. then MV young and Jody and Joshua. Well, so that's a perfect match to have before your three-way, like your your title match, right? Like, I, I think that's a really great way to like book that because, you know, it's definitely a match that's going to be happening before something much more like is, you know, much more touted and much more built up to. Um, definitely a match that you want to have later in the card when people have been drinking and are a little bit more like, you know, really feeling the goof. Um, so, you yeah, know, I entered it. Yeah, no, I, and honestly, I, I don't want to stay too long on this because like it, everybody should just watch this match just just in, experience it for yourself if you haven't seen the Bundertaker yet uh, the Bundertaker's great pancake though um it, highly impressive in uh, what i i think is like one of uh their first matches or like one of their first few matches i had never seen pancake before and i was immediately won over uh pancake was was I awesome yeah, I was completely unfamiliar with Pancake, um, and I do believe that this was, like, maybe not the first, but, like, a very early match in, in their career. So I'm excited to see where they pop up next. Yes, definitely. Um, so I I want to talk about, like, the match that was probably the match of the night for me, and that was Billy Dixon and Jared Evans. And you said that you had unfortunately left before uh, this match kind of culminated, but... Um, you know, we were speaking off air. You said you went back and watched it on the VOD. Mm -hmm. um, this match was like where we've talked about all of the goofy, like the mix of goofy and hard hitting. Like this was nothing but just stiff in your face, <laughs> hard hitting. My God. Um, I, I don't know how I hope Jared Evans's knees are OK. That door spot was brutal. 
Yeah. Um, I was completely unprepared for this. Like, uh, I mean, even like going back and like watching through it when I watched through it at home, like was completely unprepared for how, how hard it went. And just, I don't know, like the tone was different too. Like, and it was really cool that this was the main event because I feel like you could not have done this match anywhere else in the card. Like this was the way to finish the night. And what a, what an interesting way to finish. No, definitely. I think like the, the fact that um, you had the sun setting and it was definitely darker whenever this match went on kind of added to that ambiance as well of like, okay, the sun's gone down. Now we're getting down to like gritty business here. Like it's nothing but just like stiff shots and weapons and jeeps and like cursing each other out. And just, even though we're like, we're best of friends, we're going to beat the crap out of each other. Um, and just leave nothing left uh, in us to to compete for the the Chocolate City Championship. Yeah. Um, Jared Evans is someone that I haven't seen a ton of. I remember I my first real introduction to him was at Butch versus Gore, um, in the scramble there, and it wowed me there. This match, like, if he isn't going to continue to be like, getting booked in multiple places across the Northeast and East coast after this, uh, people have not been watching uh, what he can do because like Jared Evans, like is like all heart um, and putting him in a match against someone uh, with the, the character and the ability um, of Billy in this match was just, it, it, it mixed, it meshed so well um, and told an amazing story. You could tell that these guys have wrestled each other before. You can tell that they have like that they they have an affinity for one another. Um, you could tell that because of how hard they go. Sometimes I feel like um, as an audience member, as a as a person watching wrestling and taking it in, you can always tell when wrestlers know each other more rather than less. Um, especially if a match goes really hard and there's a lot of trust involved, because there was a lot of trust involved in this match. There was a lot of like okay, so we respect each other, we like each other, we're going to, like, really go. We're going to really go all out. And they really did. Like, there wasn't anything pulled here. Um, and you don't do that with just any other wrestler. Like, you do it, a lot of wrestlers pick and choose their opponents in that way very carefully. And I feel like Billy Dixon and Jared Evans, like, they understand each other in the ring as much as they may understand each other in real life or, like, outside of the ring. No, definitely, definitely. Like I, 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 talking about this match is making me want to go back and watch it again. Like mm -hmm. that's, and that's the kind of effect that you want to have um, with not just a main event, but just any kind of like real story infused match like that, that had such a, a hard hitting style to it and a lot of emotion to it as well. You know, with like Billy basically dedicating the match to Michael, um, before he got into the ring and then after match and just like, it was just overall just like the perfect way to, to cap off the night. Um, um, was there any other, any other uh, moment or, or match being there live that, that stood out uh, to you? Um, I mean, there were just lots of like little things. Um, it's always cool to see Lady Frost come around um, her and uh, her, um, her tag team partner are local to Pittsburgh um, and they had worked with Chikara before everything went down. 
Um, and so Lady Frost was against Remy LeVay. And again, it was like another thing where like I've seen both of these wrestlers locally a ton and never wrestle each other. So it was really fun to just see like a, a local match I'd never seen before. Um, but I always like to see her um, her tag partner work as her like valet slash like, you know, assistant on the side lines because that's always a, a neat inversion of how you typically see things. Um, yeah, no, just overall the, the whole night. I mean, I, I like the... the uh, obviously, the three-way match for the wrestlers' lab title—that was a fun match. Um, really fast, like much quicker than I would have uh, would have thought for like what is you know I thought was going to be the big title match of the show. And then they ended the show with Billy Dixon versus Jared Evans, and it was like, oh, okay, no, so this is like the real, real title match. And that was cool, like MB putting his title match second to last rather than making it the main event. No, like it was, it was a very uh, interesting and like humbling I, I thing to see from from MV to put another match uh, that wasn't his match ahead of it. Like, you know, there's always the the um, the stereotype of the local promoter, um, kind of like pro- using the a stage to promote themselves in a lot of ways. And it was just it was just good to see that the, the stereotype broken, and to see that MV like saw what Billy and Jared one could do and two wanted to do with that match and, and put them in that spotlight and still was able to, to spotlight um, himself, Joshua and Jody fairly well. I think Joshua, this was probably the most intense that I've ever seen Joshua Wells. Yeah, absolutely. And I want more of it. I want more of this Joshua Wells um, going forward. This was just, I hit their forearm shivers in this match were just like bone rattling. <laughs> yeah, Joshua is really good in this match. Like overall, from the build up to the execution, everything was really, really well done with this three way match. But Joshua Wells really came away looking like just looking like he had kind of passed over a certain milestone with the career. Um, and like, I don't know, it's just, it's really great to to see a wrestler make those type of impactful moments in their career, because it's definitely one of those things where, like, you're going to look back on this a year later when Joshua Wells is doing any number of great things, you're going to think, oh, yeah, that was a moment where we knew, like, they're about to break out. Definitely. Um, and I'm sure that if there are future polycult parties, uh, Joshua Wells will be featured in some way, um, not just because he now has been forced to join the polycult, um, but also because um, they are an outstanding performer who should be highlighted in multiple places. Honestly, everyone on this card, um, they, I think, uh, proved themselves worthy of, of more spots in other promotions. And hopefully that will come down the line for a number of these people. Um, and we'll get to see more of them with Uncanny and, and MV Young as well. So. I don't know. Um, what was what would you say um, would be like your your lasting thought from attending the show and and, and seeing the show and where things move forward with Uncanny? Um, as we speak, like we're only like a, an hour or two away from their live debut on IWTV. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to get your thoughts like going forward out of the Polycult party. Um, I guess I really just I hope that. Um this keeps happening, but I, that MV and as well as anybody else who's like inspired by this continue to, to make these shows happen um, as safely as they possibly can. Of course. Um, I hope that this, I don't know. I, I hope that as we one day at some point in the future, whether it's 2021 or 2022, when we've 
hopefully gotten, you know, our vaccines and we're, you know, past the COVID point, um, this will continue to happen in ways big and small to encourage people to, um, you know, keep making wrestling their own. Um, this to me was the first show I'd been to in a long time, but it was also the first wrestling show I'd ever been to that felt very uniquely handmade. And, um, and that's not a knock, like that's handmade in the best sense in that it was built, but like the literal backyard was sculpted and built and, um, and, you know, cleaned that cleaned out and cleared and made ready by the hands of the people behind the show and by the people who believe in the work that they're doing. And I just, I want to keep as an audience member and a lover of wrestling and as just a person who loves to see creative work at work, I want to continue going to shows like that and, and getting that energy because it was so good and so inspiring and just, I don't know, it, who doesn't need that right now? We all need it. We all really need that encouragement and that inspiration. I'm excited for Uncanny Attraction to make their IWTV uh, debut. I'm excited for more people to get exposure to the talent that gets involved in these shows because this talent will break through. I guarantee it. Uh, we are talking about Joshua Wells, but it's like, you know, you watch these shows in 2020. These are names that you're going to see pop up again in another couple of years. You are. You're going to see these names break out and you're going to want to see where they came from. So with IWTV adding more and more great promotions and small promotions and unique promotions to their roster, more audience members than ever, more than ever can, can find these names and learn about these performers and learn about these promotions and get it on the ground floor because it's an exciting place to be. Oh, it definitely, definitely is. Well, M, I thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to chat about your experience and this show. Yeah, and also we since we haven't spoken since uh, since Tiger's Tiger was born. Uh, congrats <laughs> on Tiger, adorable. Um, and yes, and um, let everybody know where they can find you online and where they can check out Grit and Glitter. Um, so you can find Great and Glitter um, via the Pro Wrestling Torch. Um, we are one of we are the Tuesday Daily Cast. So if you subscribe to the PW Torch Daily Cast, we will pop up on your feed every Tuesday. We just celebrated our first year anniversary. We of course um, focus on women's wrestling and the world of women, as well as um, other people of marginalized genders um, in the world of wrestling. So whether it's people in the ring, people behind the ring, people backstage, people running promotions, people making gear we we delve into all of it um so you can find us on the pw torch uh, myself and my co-host harley r patchett if you want to find me on twitter i'm at forked pgh f-o-r-k-e-d pgh um yeah where i tweet about wrestling and the exhaustion of being a new parent and uh using wrestling to cope with the exhaustion of being a new parent <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not a bad coping mechanism no, it's a really effective coping mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Em. Thank you. My thanks once again to M. Fear for coming on the show and uh, just giving me all of the, the lowdown on what happened down at the Poly Mansion. Or should I say up at the Poly Mansion? I don't know. Either way, a blast to have her back. Uh, definitely give her a follow on Twitter at ForkedPGH. And, of course, uh, check out the Grit Glitter podcast for all your women and uh, uh, marginalized gender pro wrestling chat every Tuesday as part of the, the Pro Wrestling Torch Daily Cast. Um, just go throw that in your pod and subscribe while you're uh, 
subscribing and downloading to this pod as well on the Outsports podcast channel. Uh, Always great. And of course, if you want to check out the show yourself, you can always uh, watch it in its entirety over at twitch.tv slash goprofessionalwrestling. Um, GoPro has been doing some great stuff alongside um, a number of promotions. So, uh, yeah. With that being said, I just want to take a a short minute here just to reflect um, because, like like I said, this week uh, was our, our 50th episode. Um, and then, of course, this is the 51st episode, but this really was um, a, somewhat of a, of a humbling, uh, sobering, and um, really proud moment for, for me to be able to have done this show um, for as long as I have, uh, and as consistently as I have. Um, there have been plenty of weeks where um, the show was... Uh, <laughs> it was a very late night uh, sort of task, uh, something that uh, really, really pushed me to want to do better, not just in terms of my work or, or anything that I contribute to the uh, seemingly endless pool of pro wrestling uh, commentary, but more so um, in... Highlighting the voices that I wish I had had uh, whenever I was growing up watching pro wrestling. Um, highlighting amazing figures that have established themselves within different regions or across multiple regions uh, in the pro wrestling world and some that are still on the rise and, and are finding their place and and are not holding back with their identities not holding back with what they want to see pro wrestling become in light of uh, pushing the boundaries quote unquote of what pro wrestling has consistently and historically been defined as and um, I have greatly enjoyed providing a platform for all of those people on this show, and I will continue to do so. We are 51 down now. Um, and like I said yesterday, 50 down, crossing fingers, 50 to go. Fuck the fingers. Alright? We are on 51. That's 49 more before we get to that next 50. And then another 50 after that. I don't know. We'll see. I have to wait and see if the Fallout New Vegas sky that's outside of my apartment here in Portland is going to allow me to do some of that. But trust me when I say that I have really greatly enjoyed doing this show and that joy, I don't see it going away anytime soon and as long as that joy is there um, this show will be there and I can't wait to see what other voices we're able to put up there and, and prop up and give a platform to tell their stories and to push pro wrestling into something that, um, you know, we don't have to harp about how inclusive it is. It just is. It just is. Um, yeah. Thank you for indulging me. <laughs> and with that, we will say goodbye I've, for real this time for this week. Um, we'll be back next Thursday with another show, uh, and another show after that, another show after that. Um, Unless this wildfire decides to um, not let that happen. 
either way, <laughs> we'll be all right. Um, but of course, we can not leave without throwing uh, some thank yous out to some great people that allow this show to be as awesome as it truly is. The Progress Pride Flag Design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. Big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band. You can check out their music on Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahandthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. Follow the show on Twitter at LGBTRingPod. Um, and of course, uh, if you want to check out the Uncanny Attractions, uh, the Wrestlers Take Manhattan show, or anything else from the long annals or modern uh, top and basically any independent wrestling promotion out there right now, hop on over to independentwrestling.tv, sign up for a five-day free trial using our promo code LGBTRingPod, uh, or you can visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT. You get a five-day free trial, check out that Uncanny Show, check out all the other stuff they have there, and then, you know, feel so moved, subscribe over there, um, and enjoy uh, weeks, months, years, dare I say, worth of content. So many awesome promotions over there, and the number just keeps on growing. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT for that five-day free trial over independentwrestling.tv. Um, and then, of course, if you're into video games, uh, the same way that I was into MV Young and Big Game Leroy, um, just straight-up World heroes it out there, <laughs> on the streets of Brooklyn. Um, you can check out my uh, gaming news show that I do alongside a couple of my friends, the Mr. Video Game Super Show. That goes live every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Sun like the star. We're also adding some uh, new content on Tuesdays as well. We're interchanging there with some playdates where we get together and play games, um, maybe with some of our uh, Discord members and our audience members uh, joining in as well. And then we also have the History of the World, where which is our look into the history of video games. And we have some more projects that we're uh, kind of building and working through here, but those should all go up over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment Every Monday and Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, we got something for you gaming-wise, and it's always a blast. So definitely check that out. Um, I think that's all the plugs for this week. I think it is. So with that, um, I will uh, bid you adieu. But as always, stay messy. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. And just let me say thank you. Thank you for listening. Everybody's ready to die. Bye.